0: Hey there, this is Ryan Cole. Welcome to Needed Conversations. We've been going live every day this week on Instagram, and we've been posting those um, lives here on the podcast so that you can hear and be in to the conversation as well. We've been talking about communication in marriage. Yesterday, my wife talked about the power of a woman's words, especially a wife over her husband, to build him up or tear him down. And tonight, or this podcast, I am focusing on the men. I just got done with the live, and I'm bringing it to you now. If you have any questions, make sure to text us, 864-428-7131. As always, you can go to moremostforever.com. And also remember, we're a nonprofit ministry ministry. So we run off of the support of listeners just like you. We don't do ads on our podcast. We uh, look for partnership because, um, you know, we don't want to bog down the message. We don't want to have to deal with, you know, those kind of things. But um, we we just want to build up marriages. And in order to do that, we need your support. So go to moremostforever.com for all your marriage needs and to become a partner or donate one time. But without further ado, let's jump right into the conversation. Welcome to another live on our More, Most, and Forever page. If you're new here, our page is all about marriage and dating. So we are giving you all the tools to have a successful marriage, um, to help you communicate better with your spouse, to you know grow spiritually together, to... Uh, solve conflicts, overcome offenses, um, and just really have a wonderful marriage to have um, better sex, better intimacy, all of the above. So thank you for joining me tonight. Are there any husbands in the room? Just uh, wave back at me and let me know that you're a husband in the room tonight because I'm talking specifically to the husbands. If you're a woman in here, you can listen too. I'm sure you're going to get a lot out of this, but You know, my wife and I have been going live every day this week talking about a different aspect of communication in marriage, and we've been releasing these recordings. You see this microphone. It is also going to be distributed on my podcast, which is called Needed Conversations. So um, you can listen to these on demand. Go back, listen to all of our episodes. We have about 100 episodes, you know, talking about a range of topics. We've also got some resources that you can see now at the bottom of your screen. This is one of them. It's called I Love You More Most and Forever. And it's a book that I wrote about marriage. And so pick that up if you haven't already. And let's jump into the conversation tonight. Tonight, we're talking about the power of a husband's words. Again, if you're a husband in this live, stay on here. Don't jump off let me know your husband. Just comment below how long you've been married. Um, any questions that you have about marriage. We're talking about that tonight. But in particular, again, the power in a husband's words. My wife was on here last night. And she talked about the power of a wife's words and how a woman can use her words to either build up her husband or tear him down. And tonight we're going to flip the script and talk about How powerful a man's words are. Now, statistically speaking, we know that a man speaks a fraction fraction of the number of words that a woman speaks. And in a lot of ways, that gives his words uh, a little more weight. Um, Not to say, again, you can watch my wife's uh, message uh, from yesterday. It's on demand. Listen to it about the power of a woman's words. Um, but when you're speaking less, that means every word out of your mouth, it holds a little more gravity because you don't speak as often. And so that's the case in marriage as well is because men speak less, because men communicate their emotions less frequently than men. Then that means that, um, whenever they do speak, their wives are going to take it in a little bit more. They're going to take it to heart. And I think it's easier for men to get frustrated and and use words that they don't necessarily mean, but that they um uh, but that that's all that they're grasping for, especially if they have a wife um, who's pushing them to get in touch with your emotions, or you know I want to hear you know your heart and all of this, and we men are it's like here here's a secret to all of the women, uh, nine times out of ten, unless you're dealing with a narcissist husband or boyfriend, what a man tells you is really what he thinks, right? <laughs> men are a few words, but really we're a pretty open book when it comes to what we think about something or what we're feeling. And we're really good at compartmentalizing our emotions, whereas women tend to pull everything into the same bucket and mix it all up and you know, it's a compilation of emotions. Men can compartmentalize our work life from our married life, from our role as a father to, you know, the friends that we have, the hobbies that we have. And so that means we can kind of disconnect our emotions from certain situations and easily find an outlet to kind of ease the pressure of stress and um, and kind of put it to the back of our minds. Sometimes that's not the healthiest. I think you need to address things for sure, but I think when it comes to communicating with your husband, women, you know, um, you just have to understand that if he's saying this is what I think, then that's actually what he thinks. Um, again, if he's not a narcissist, manipulative guy pretty much straightforward. Men are an open book. Um, and as a husband, the role that you have in marriage is, is vitally important because you hold the weight of authority in the home. Um, that doesn't mean the wife doesn't have authority, but I think in terms of responsibility, um, the pressure is primarily on the husband in the relationship. And he's the one um, that's going to be held accountable for his family and how he's leading his family. And that is that is not at the expense of a woman's ability to lead as well. But this is just the design of God for the household. That doesn't necessarily translate out into the world, you know, marketplace or wherever you're working and that all women should be submitted to all men. No, it said women submit yourselves. To your husband as unto the Lord. And that's really the scripture I want to read tonight from Ephesians chapter 5. And I want to talk about um, not the fact that there's the command here that wives are to be submitted to uh, your own husband as unto the Lord, but really what is that responsibility that a husband has and how can he use his wife? Uh, use his words to um, bless his wife, to cultivate the gifts on the inside of her, to encourage her, to give her space to share her dreams and to push her forward in that. Um, Let's read Ephesians chapter five, starting at verse 22. Wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Your own husband is the emphasis there. For the husband is the head of the wife as also the, Christ is head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word This is so powerful. It says, For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each of you in particular so love his own wife as himself And let the wife see that she respects her husband. And this right here, really, that that final scripture speaks to the number one need that men have and the number one need that women have. The number one uh, need that men have, and sex is a close number two, but the number one uh, need that that men have is a need for respect, a respect. And so that's what your husband is looking for, uh, wives. But in in the same token, what the number one need of a wife is for you to connect emotionally. And that means you've got to be comfortable with opening up and talking more and really letting her express her emotions and you not... Um, running away from it or judging her, um, but that you would care for her even as you care for your own body, that you would present her to yourself as a glorious, without spot or wrinkle, um, that that without blemish, that you're washing her with the water of the word. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. And so this is what I want to say to men. You know, if you are abiding by that second paragraph here in Ephesians chapter five in this section about marriage, if you are living up to this standard as a husband who looks and mirrors that of Christ towards the church, what kind of wife wouldn't want to submit to a husband like that? If you are washing her with the water of the word, that you're using your words to encourage her, to speak life to her, to to bless her, what kind of wife would it want to submit to that kind of husband? You know, we counsel a lot of couples, and, and in the first couple of sessions that we have with couples, I really laid down the hammer on the husband's. Because when it comes down to it, the responsibility falls on our shoulders as to how the house is going to function and how our relationship with our wife is going to uh, either thrive or break down. And really, if, if there's a breakdown in your relationships, nine times out of 10 husbands, I can point it to an area of struggle in your life that either you're ignoring or that you you know you don't think is dysfunctional and if you were to address that and bring the intention back into the marriage then then you could fix those cracks in those places now that doesn't take the responsibility off of the wife to also um you know look at her actions and and make changes and and uh, you know grow and be mature and all of that but the thing about a head is the head goes first You know, how did you come into the world? Head first, right? A head, just because you're the head, doesn't mean you're more important. Just because you're the head, doesn't mean you have more authority. Because essentially, you and your wife are one flesh. That means the authority is equally distributed. Being the head just means that you go first. You set the example. You lay the precedence. And then you cast a vision for your family that they can follow behind. And it's not about, you know, a man is out front and a woman's behind him in his shadow. Don't get me wrong. It's about a man taking a leadership role in the home. You know, there's a lot of couples who, for all intents and purposes, the woman is out there in front, right? You know, her job is more public facing. She is, you know, a more outgoing personality. But in order for her to be that, she also has to, and be that effectively. She has to have a husband at home who is holding it down, who is covering her, who is leading her and lifting that weight and that pressure off of her that she was never designed to carry. You know, I've seen a lot in the news about Fantasia and her husband. Fantasia is an R&B singer. She won American Idol many years ago. She's a fantastic gift. I don't like all of her music. Um, You know, that's neither here nor there, but she's a phenomenal gift. Um, She's been through broken relationships and more recently with her husband that she's been with for several years now. Um, She's made several public statements about letting her husband lead, even as a dominant woman in popular culture, right? She's still a boss in a lot of senses of the word, but she recognizes the structure that God has set up for the home And, you know, her first marriage, I believe, ended in divorce and now she's in a thriving relationship and you can see it all over her. She's healthier. Her career is in a good place and she's able to do her career from a place of ease because her husband's holding it down as the leader in her home. I wish somebody would put something in the comments and let me know what you think about that. You know, if you agree or not, you can always text us if you're listening on podcast, 864 428 7131. Join the conversation. Let us know what you think Um, because this is real talk. Uh, As our podcast is titled, this is a needed conversation to have, especially as there is this tension with the dynamics between men and women in culture right now and and pushing women out there, right, to lead and to be well-educated and have businesses and be visionaries and all of that. But when it comes to the home, the biblical order is that the man is the head, right? And again, just because you're the head doesn't necessarily mean that you're more important. You, know, you are equal heirs to the promise in Christ Jesus. That means when you stand, you stand together, not as two individuals with one who's more important and has all the authority and one who's just this lowly servant. No, you stand together as one unit. And husband, the onus is on us. The responsibility is on us to lead our wives and to use our words to build her up instead of tearing her down. There is a lot of power in the, the, the words of, of a husband. And the words of a father to give life. Again, my wife talked about the power of a wife's words, but tonight I'm really putting the emphasis, I'm laying the hammer down on, um, on the men, right? To watch your words and watch what's coming out of your mouth and to learn how to effectively communicate and communicate in a mature way. And although statistically, again, we use fewer words, you can have more of an impact with fewer words than you have by just, you know, talking out of your rear end, right? Think before you speak, make an intellectually wise set of phrases that well communicates how you feel and your vision for the marriage. I want to get real practical here because we talked about Ephesians chapter five, the role of a wife, the role of a husband, But I want to pull out that one bit of text that says, in husbands, we should wash, you know, cleanse our wives. I'm going to read it specifically Um, in verse 25 of Ephesians chapter five, cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. The first role that you take in the relationship is that of a priest. That means you're going to God on behalf of your family. You're going as a representative of your entire family, both your wife and your children. And that role is in prayer. Making sure that you're a man of prayer will help you to be more effective in how you communicate with your wife, how you speak to her, how you speak about her, and how you cast vision for your family. And then, uh, you know, as it's listed here, the ammunition that you use, the vocabulary that you use is the word of God and making sure that you're a man of the word so that you have it in you that you've eaten that bread and you can you can sow those seeds of hope and encouragement into your wife's wife's life and your children's lives that that responsibility is on us men of course women are prayer warriors and intercessors and prophetic in nature, but men are apostolic, right? We set order, we set structure in the home. Where there's the absence of the father, you see, there's a structural breakdown. Single mothers, all of them would testify that that while they can they can do it, especially with the help of a community, you know, and uh, and um people in their church or or however they make it happen, they're heroes in a lot of ways. Right, They definitely fill the gap of male leadership, and just because you're there, men, doesn't mean you're providing that leadership. You could be living in the same house, and you could come home every single day and be ignoring the needs of your wife and your children, and that starts in prayer. You being that leader starts by being a man of prayer, and not only praying for them, praying with them, praying over them. I pray for my children every night. I pray over my wife. I lay my hands on her. I speak life over her. And you would have no, you have no idea the kind of impact that makes for your wife after she's carried the weight of the world in that day to be able to feel your hand on her back or on her head and to be able to pronounce a blessing, to cast down, every evil thought, every evil agenda, and speak the word of God over her life. That's gonna transform your marriage right there just by learning how to wash your wife with the water of the word. But in order to do that, you've gotta get the word in you. And so that's the first thing I wanna encourage you to do. In order to lead your wife and your children, you gotta be a man of prayer and you gotta be a man of the word. Um, The second thing I wanna talk about is is in the book of Numbers, it talks about the role that we have as fathers in in declaring a uh, life or death over our children and over our wives as well. That's very evident throughout the Bible. In fact, the book of Numbers talks about um, if your children make a, a a vow or a decree over their lives, a commitment that you as a as the male leader in the home has the uh veto power to say no, I don't think so or to say yes and amen to uh to something right so that's words that people have spoken over your wife that's and children that's words that you may have spoken over them or they've spoken over themselves and when you hear it, husbands you've got to rise up and you've got to say you're not that this is who you are and we take on the role of of uh, of a cultivator right A husband, another word for a husband in the Bible is a vine dresser or gardener. And in fact, Jesus was presented as a gardener many times. And that means we're a cultivator. We're pulling out that potential on the inside of our wife and our children. Um, But we have to understand that, that whatever decrees are made over their lives, you know, the buck stops with us and they will either stand or they will fall to the ground um, the second, uh, the third thing that I want to tell you is to, uh, speak her language, learn to speak her language. Um, we talk about the five languages of love, Gary Chapman, world famous book, millions of copies, you know, and there's five different languages of love. And then there's nuances to each one of those. And, and I mean, To say that each one of us, depending on how we were raised, we have a certain way that we receive love and we recognize that we're being loved. And a lot of times, out of laziness, selfishness, or or ignorance, we oftentimes give in the way that we would want to receive. And if you and your spouse have different love languages— that means you could be showing her that you love her, but she's not hearing it because she doesn't understand that language. And you as a husband has to, has to be intentional about uh, learning her love language and then speaking that love language. And then also being mature enough to say, this is my language. This is how you can show me that you love me, honey. And so That's the fourth thing that I would say Would be to learn her language And and one of the things I wrote down today Is that there's a difference in being Intelligent and Emotionally intelligent Those are two different things I think that you can have a a, a library Of knowledge in your brain You can be well educated, well skilled You might be a craftsman, you might be good on your job You might be a good communicator You might be a lot of things You might have a lot of knowledge But To be emotionally intelligent means you connect that knowledge uh, on a a deeper level and and be able to connect your emotions with that information. Um, It's one thing to tell your wife, this is what I want to do. It's another thing to express that with emotion and passion and to evoke emotion from her as well so that you can join together as one team to accomplish one united purpose together. And so uh, that's it, you know, learn to speak her language and understand that there's a difference in intelligence and emotional intelligence. I don't have time to get into all of that. But when it comes to your words, husband, your words hold weight, they hold presence, they hold spiritual authority, and they influence behavior. The words that are coming out of your mouth are creating an environment in your home That is conducive either for, you know, uh, purpose to be discovered and fulfilled for creativity for healthy living or your words are creating an environment for brokenness and pain and bitterness and unforgiveness and a destructive destruction of of identity, which leads me to number five. Is that with all of these things, knowing that your words hold weight, hold presence, hold spiritual authority, and influence behavior, as a husband and as a father, your words shape the identity of of those in your family, right? You are calling out their destiny. You are calling out their future. You are calling them into their potential, right? Or you are sowing seeds of, of discord where their identities are going to be destroyed. Husbands, your words, again, hold weight. Your words hold presence. Your words have spiritual authority. Your words influence behavior and shape identity in your children, but also in your wife, right? And it, especially if your wife is called to lead, if your wife is a visionary in her own right, if your wife is um, is called to be out front, right, you've got to be an even stronger man uh, uh, of discipline. You've got to have uh, authority and power over how your words are coming out and the words that you use, right? And again, you don't have to use a lot of words, but your words have to have intentionality, and the only way they're going to be intentional and properly shape the identity of your, your children and your wife is by having the word of God in you. Remember, cleanse your wife with the washing by the water of the word, right? Um, the, the sixth thing, I think I'm on the sixth thing, right? Is to back up your words with action. What does that mean? you know, how do you give your words weight? Well, if you mean it, if, if there is action and steps behind it, that you mean what you say and you say what you mean and you do what you say, that your yes is yes, that your no is no, that you're a man of your word. That's what it means to be a husband that's full of integrity, right? and and it's not just lying to everybody else it's it's not lying to yourself as well right you make commitments and you don't follow through right how can we believe the words that are coming out of your mouth how can we be inspired uh, you know with vision if we don't believe that you're going to get up off your behind and do the work to put action behind your words that that's what it means to be a man of integrity is that your yes is yes and your no is no, that you're black and white. That's a good thing, that there's no shades of gray, that you're not in the middle, that you're a decisive man. What Women love a man who can make a decision, right? And a decision with confidence. Now, I understand that your wife should have influence in every decision for sure, but at the end of the day, as the husband, as the leader of that home, you have the responsibility to make those decisions on behalf of all of your family. But you got to be a man of integrity and put some action behind your words. Um, the other thing that I want to add to this conversation is is that you can be a man of your word by being a man of the word. And that brings us back to that initial number one point, which is, you know, how can you shape your words, remove the negativity, remove the hate is by ingesting the word of God, downloading that into your spirit so that you have it to pull upon. Um, And, and also, um, one of the final things I want to talk about is the story that you are telling the world with your marriage. And this is where I want to land tonight. Because one of the primary roles that we have, especially in praying for our spouses and, 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 and for our children, is also learning as husbands how to cast a vision, how to communicate our dreams, how to mobilize our family around a common purpose. And it, it comes down to this simple question, what is the story that you are telling with your marriage if your marriage were to, op- if, if the world were to open up the, uh, uh, the, the book of your marriage, what would that story look like? Would they be inspired? Would they be terrified? Would they be sad looking at your story? What is the story that you're writing? And that's really what vision is all about. It's being able to peer into the future and, and dream about a life that you could be living, that you have all the potential inside of you to live. And then being able to cast a vision for those within your sphere of influence to be able to carry that out. You know, I saw this Facebook post that said, as a husband, whenever you get married and whenever you have your first child, you are immediately ordained as a pastor of at least a minimum of two people. And, and you're like, what are you talking about a pastor? You know, I don't, I don't have a collar. I, I haven't been to theological school. You know, I don't stand in a pulpit and preach. I beg to differ. You stand before your family every single day and you preach. Your words come through with how you live. Your life is a living sermon before your children. And the moment you get married and the moment you have a child, you've officially been ordained as a pastor with a congregation of a minimum of 2 people. That's a lot of responsibility. And as a husband, you have to learn how to cast a compelling vision. And this is what I do. This is this is what we've done. You know, I sit with my my wife every single year on our anniversary and we begin to dream together. And, you know, we've prayed lead, leading up to that, and God's put things on my heart that I hadn't shared with her probably yet, or maybe we have in passing. But we dedicate some specific time to writing a vision for our new year. Now, lucky for us, our our um, uh, wedding anniversary falls on October 27th, and so that gives us a two-month head start on the new year in January 1 when everybody else is you know trying to scramble and put their New Year's resolutions together, we have let go of the idea of resolutions, and we have committed ourselves to writing vision. And we do it in October. We finish out our year strong. And by January 1, we step into fulfilling those goals that we have put together. Now, that vision is based on a lot of work that we've done over the years to to imagine what our life could be in 20 years, and begin to script out the story that we want our marriage to tell to the world, to our children, to our community, to those that follow us on social media, to those who we mentor. What story are you telling with your relationship? You know, uh, this sounds like a good idea, but I'll, but not many people have the tools to do this that I'm talking about, which is write a vision for your marriage and then be able to communicate effectively Together to see that you fulfill a common purpose. But we've got the tools, the resources to help you do just that. We are hosting, we've done this several times, but on April 30th this year, a couple weeks from now, we are hosting a marriage with a mission workshop. It is going to be in person in Greenville, South Carolina. And it's, it's, um, very inexpensive to attend. It's a one day workshop. You can go to moremostforever.com and click that banner, moremostforever.com and sign up. We only have, uh, I believe it's three spots left for this workshop. So if you want that, you can comment on this live with the word mission. You can DM us the word mission or you can go to moremostforever.com. Dot com. If you're listening on podcasts, that's where you should go and take one of those spots. Join us. We're going to have two different sessions where we teach and talk to you about how to write a vision and how to communicate more effectively. And then you are going to be given um, a workbook that gives really specific questions that you're going to ask one another. And you're going to go through this workbook. And by the end of it, <clears throat> you're going to be able to say, This is the story that we're telling with our marriage. This is the common purpose that you and I are going to run parallel, joining together, side by side as purpose partners. You know, it's not just about marriage isn't just about the feel good feelings of chemistry and the hormones and all of that. Yes, that's wonderful. But what really drives that for us and for so many other couples that we mentor and coach is writing a vision together and saying this is what we're going to pursue together. I've said this before on this podcast, but if you're new to this uh, Instagram Live or more, most, and forever, you know, uh, two lines that focus intently on one another intersect at a point of of great intensity, but then move in the opposite direction, right? And that's the picture of most dating relationships. You're very intense in the beginning. It's very physical. There's a lot of chemicals, you know, going through your body, a lot of infatuation. But those two lines, once they reach that hyper intensity, move out into opposite directions. Why? Because the relationship wasn't built on anything other than the superficial. And when the superficial leaves, which it always does, you've got to have something to build upon. You look at two lines that run parallel out into eternity, right? They continually move in the same direction and they stay close because they're not focused on one another, but they're focused outward on a common mission, a common purpose that they're doing together, right? And something interesting happens with lines that run parallel and move out into the universe. Scientists tell us that a phenomenon occurs. Those two lines eventually merge into one. And that's a beautiful picture of marriage is that you're so intent on fulfilling God's purpose for your life together and you're running parallel. And eventually at some point in the relationship, you turn to them and and you realize they are you and you are them. And while you're unique individuals, you are two parts of one flesh that God has fused together in perfect unity. And and that's what's going to happen at marriage with a mission On April the 30th in downtown Greenville, you're gonna get the tools to write a vision for your marriage so that you can run in parallel and you can fuse together at the deepest parts of your soul and become one flesh. If your marriage is struggling, if you're asking yourself, where is this thing going? We've been married 10 years and it feels like we're going nowhere. This is the workshop for you. If you're struggling to communicate with your spouse, this is the workshop for you. We are gonna address everything in this workshop, um, we're going to turn marriage like a prism and we are going to look at every angle finances, right? Write a vision for your finances. How does finances affect your marriage? Well, it's right on up there. One or two as the top reasons for divorce. What about your sex life? What about how you raise and discipline your children? What about your educational pursuits? What about your, um, your, uh, recreational, uh, uh, dreams, like where you want to go in the world, the dream that you have to go see the Eiffel tower or, you know, the mountains in Ireland or, or wherever you want to go, you've got to write a vision for those things and make a plan in your relationship or you're never going to see it happen. And then most importantly, write What is the problem that you're going to help address together in the world and shine a light and bring good and leave a legacy with your marriage that that your marriage reflects the glory of God. Hope you've gotten something out of this. Again, go to moremostforever.com. I thank you guys for joining me. And we will see you tomorrow night.